From cracking human behavior in Stanford psychology labs to crafting award-winning products to leading products used by millions today, my next guest's career has been anything but conventional. They've explored the full spectrum of product development, researching end users, guiding vision, uh, mobilizing teams, launching innovations, and driving revenue growth across companies, both big and small. Whether developing the first software applications for LeapFrog's tablets back in 2010, or designing private aviation analytics tools, their products delight users while achieving business success. Now a product leadership powerhouse, they've mastered the art of shipping with accountability while empowering their teams to solve problems proactively. Armed with relentless curiosity, grit, and keen emotional intelligence, they push the boundaries of what technology can do to elevate people. So I can't wait for you to meet this inspiring trailblazer. Please welcome David Mark Siegel, Principal PM at Microsoft. David, welcome to the Same Logic Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. It's nice to be here. Perfect. Um, so let's jump right in. Um, uh, how did your background in social psychology and running user experience studies influence your your approach to product development? Initially, being a social psychology researcher at Stanford, it was all about having a hypothesis and testing that hypothesis and often being wrong. And the point was then you learn and you learn from that. And what conclusions can you draw and what future studies can you uh, can you then design to, to try to hone what you learned from the previous one? And immediately after getting out of school, I mean, I, be, I became a web engineer and then I, I did a lot of different things. I actually had a lot of pivots and then eventually ended up in technology managing educational video game projects. And there's a lot of user research that we ran there too. And in, in that instance, it was about um, testing the products with, with children and parents and seeing how they interact with those. And that was in my time at LeapFrog. And again, that was a lot about testing in retrospect, I sort of realized kind of later down the road when I finally ran into product management that we had been testing the riskiest assumptions, the riskiest moment, just to ensure where we were at that phase that we were actually doing what we thought we were doing and testing with very inexperienced technology users. And from that, from years of doing that, I really learned how to think about presenting technology to very potentially inexperienced uh, technology users or to kind of flip that on its head, the idea of if a user were to do only one thing in your product, what would you have them do? Or do they do that thing? Or what's the problem that you're trying to solve? And just this kind of like almost hierarchy of, of focus as someone's going through something. So, and then taking an experimental approach because the point was never, what do I think? Like when I was doing social psychology research, it was never, you know, which advertisement do I think is most effective? I, I did research on anti-smoking advertisements, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it was never, you know, when I was testing the video games, it was never, which do I think is most fun? Because I could have an opinion about it, but it didn't make a difference in the long run. And so it was both about how to present things in an even-handed way, and then how to learn from the results and accept the results, because the point was, uh, I was trying to do something that was bigger than me. It wasn't rooted in my opinion about what outcomes we were trying to drive. It was rooted in what's working for the target group that we're trying to be testing with. And so long story short, discovered product management where the whole point was develop a hypothesis about how to solve problem for the most important segment. 
segment of users or prospective customers and present something to them that validates or disconfirms that hypothesis. And once you then you get that data and you see what worked, what didn't work, what did they think? And it's it's you know, and not just about a single metric necessarily, it can be if you're especially once you have your flywheel going, but getting really into the qualitative data, uh, and that was really a, a strength of mine at the time, certainly it was okay, so we we see what worked, what didn't, we see responses to questionnaires, but what did they say? What's the detail? What's the nuance? So especially if you're trying to build something that you don't know where the core value is or where you're going with it. You know, you just really need to be able to understand the nuance. And so that background really kind of set me up for getting out of my head, understanding the nuance of what I was presenting and what the results were in a user study. And then, and also just fundamentally being extremely open to taking that experimental approach. Let's get some ideas and let's go test them. Let's, let's just, let's just get them out there. I love that. And in order to make the product work, the messaging has to be effective, right? The, the message has to, to be effective. What key lessons about understanding users did you take away from your early research on, on uh, messaging effectiveness? Yeah, I mean, what I, what I took away was two different people could take two different things from the same message. And my early research, my academic research was all about I mean, I, I studied social psychology, although ironically, my research actually had to do with connecting different sort of personality psychology distinctions. Um, so different time orientation, pers personality perspectives with different messaging and seeing how they reacted to it. And so what I really took from it was a message's effectiveness had everything to do with the orientation of the intended recipient. So to kind of put those in other terms too, the message doesn't have to be all things to all people. It has to be meaningful and impactful to the, the most important segment or segments that you're trying to target. If it means to them what you want it to mean, what if it explains to them the value of your product or service or what have you, um, even if someone outside of that segment, it, it doesn't land with them, like then that's success. Right. I mean, it's so it's the whole point is making sure that you understand how you're measuring success, that who you're trying to target with your message, why you're trying to target them. Because, again, and then you're wrapping your head around these people. This is your target segment and this should matter to them because they have this problem that I'm here to help solve or they have this message that I think they would find valuable for them to understand or receive. Looking at your, your background as well, you have experience from many different product domains, from edtech, fintech, and building stuff at LeapFrog. How did you like effectively transition between domains and, and different roles? That is a very good question. And <clears throat> the answer is really by jumping into the deep end, but over and over and over and over. So, I mean, I have a master's degree in social psychology. Then I became a web engineer in tech journalism. Um, and then I pivoted actually into, I was a trial consultant for a few years before I became a product manager. So I learned a lot about the legal domain and I brought, it sort of like brought 50% of the knowledge I needed and learned 50% on the job, then moved into ed tech. And again, kind of similar, I'd studied some educational, you know, developmental psychology. So I knew something there, then jumped into working at NASDAQ, running a, a cap table, uh, cap table software, basically. And so had to learn a ton about that domain, but knew a lot about user experience design, how to run teams, 
how to work with engineers, how to work with designers, how to work with VPs of whatnot, and what it means when they come to you with what concern, how to work with sales, with customer support, and how to learn more about a domain too, fundamentally. And that's, which is almost, you know, it's one of the more critical things. So it was a matter of stakeholder management and learning who could be on my side to what extent to help me get better at the domain, who, who could be on my side to help me get closer to the customers in a certain way, and so on. And I really kind of leveraged that same playbook as I went from domain to domain. I mean, next I went to, I mean, it was data products for the commercial aviation industry. I mean, prior to leaving LeapFrog, I did some consulting on the side in a lot of different domains, kind of to validate that the learnings I had uh, I'd, I'd, I'd made up to them that they would actually be very applicable in a wide array of different domains. And so I actually did a lot of work kind of all over the place. Um, and it was very interesting because it was always very relevant from health tech to fintech to different gaming and, and so on. So in a sense, it kind of set me up to have at least enough confidence to say, I bet I can do it. And really the jump into the deep end and just hope it would work. And I kind of just got accustomed to saying, okay, data for the commercial aviation industry. Well, I bet I, I bet there's something I can contribute to this business. And I mean, frankly, also a certain degree of naivete as well to say, I bet I have something I contribute contribute to this business. And I bet there's a lot that I'll be able to learn. Um, and how, you know, a certain quality of like, how hard can it be? The answer has consistently been very hard actually. And so in a sense, it's that that naivete, that willingness to say, let's just jump in and learn. This is something I can do and I can find places to contribute has some has been something that I've just done repeatedly over the course of my career. Mm, I love that. So jumping into the deep end presents you with so much like information and data that you have to string together. You have to learn very quickly. So whenever you're entering into a new domain, um, how how do you ramp up your knowledge? What's your what's your learning process like? First, it's meeting meeting the team you're as a PM there to, if not I mean lead maybe you're there to lead, but you know there to collaborate with. Let's say to put it in maybe more even handed terms. So and understand how they work, who they are, are they what energy they're working with are they frustrated by how things have gone recently are they feeling you know are they feeling good about it um are they feeling like because you can one thing you can do is connect with them gain some trust with them learn what they know hey how have things been going recently you know if if you could snap your fingers what would you change what would you improve what do you think customers need what's been working for you what hasn't been working for you let's talk scrum let's talk agile you know how do you like to work how do you not like to work and really gaining trust with your developers and your designers and so on and then sometimes i've had a formal domain expert who I would be partnering with, who they were almost like a the domain side of product management, which is is an interesting relationship. Generally speaking, it can be it can be very functional. You have to insert yourself between them and the development team in a way that doesn't make anyone feel like they're losing access. Um, it's like a it really is like a friendly collaborative thing. So it's almost like bring them into my world so they can kind of stop talking to the engineers directly and I can filter because that's as the PM that's more my job than theirs and and often I would hear from I will hear from the engineers you know we get this kind of fire hose from the domain expert from VPs from whomever and so I'm there to you know first let's put an umbrella on that um, and get them so that they're shielded and they can do their work so again, I mean, this is all super tactical, super operational, like let's just make sure that this team is running like what I consider to be an effective and efficient product team. 
and then in terms of and that's and you know that that's actually regardless of the need to learn the domain then there's partner closely with this domain expert talk to customer success you know the support people and sales people they are so excited to have someone in my experience who says hey i would love to learn more about the domain and about what the customers are saying they need that they just are like oh my god that's so exciting i can't wait to tell you and they kind of become my best friends and uh so we're we just talk every day and you know we usually are sitting near each other if we're in the office and if we're remote i'm talking to them constantly through whatever remote platform we're using just you know i'm building goodwill with all the all these people and 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 having them you know give me information and i i really like talking to these people too i mean part of it is that authenticity of like i really want to help the customers feel good about the product i want to figure out what isn't working for them i want to make that better um, i want to build new cool things for these customers and so it's it's as i'm learning things it's 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 kind of injecting what i'm learning into this framework of where do I sense customer frustration? Where do I see you know, strategic opportunities or at least tactical opportunities, ways to make things a little bit better to, keep, to, to make customers happy and um, to also build trust with customers? Because then you know, ultimately I would like to be interfacing more directly with customers and um, you know, the two different domains I just mentioned, I mean, the, the financial services industry and commercial aviation industry and, and data in the commercial aviation, it's the customers don't want to necessarily talk to you if you don't know anything about what you're doing, if you don't know anything about their work. And so, but if you can say, hey, how's that new thing we just rolled out? How's that going for you? I'd love to see how you're using it. Uh, how's that working? How do you work? Oh, wow, you do it this way because you're at, you know, this airport and that and your business works this way. And so it's kind of a process of like a snowballing building trust from the inside out from you starting with my little team to domain experts and customer support and, you know, VPs and so on. And then finally getting to the customers. I mean, this is like kind of a, a, a first 30 days sort of flow because, you know, by the end of those 30 days, hopefully I'm uh, interfacing directly with customers, if not uh, well on the way to crafting a plan to a strategic plan to to be providing some uh, important, important features or, or, or solutions for customers. You touch on a lot of great points there. It leads me to this question. What does it mean to you to be a great PM, whether at a big company or at a startup? In my opinion, it's being appropriately collaborative is one piece of it. I think there's a lot of, I actually think there's a lot of parts to that. I think it's a very, it's a very complex question, actually. I mean, I think it's a matter of understanding how to use the situation you're walking into and how to, how to, how to increase the, the the effectiveness of that team, but also the happiness of that team, the collaborative degree of that team, because you know, I want my development teams to be very empowered. And so that that's a matter of building trust with them and learning how they like to work. So it's, it's making sure the developers are empowered to understand customer problems and solve those customer problems that I guess to zoom out, it's making sure that I have a really deep and thorough sense of what customers, what the, the, the customers or users, the range of them think and feel and care about and that i am communicating that to my developers that i'm communicating that to my leadership so that when i say i've made this decision to build this 
And they say, well, why have you done that? And then I can, I can say, well, because we all know the customer, this is, this is the customer uh, problem, or these are the most important customer problems. And I found this because I have this data. So it's, it's being very collaborative, being very data led, um, having a, you know, being able to build trust, being able to build collaboration. Um, I mean, there's the table stakes of understanding research and the value of it and how to leverage it, of understanding strategic structures and how to be strategic and like business strategy, not all that, that you know, the whole very deep well of that. Understanding enough technical structures so that you can be effective, whatever that means in the, in the respective organization where you're working. Um, and then knowing enough about design as well so that you can actually make sure your team stays constantly unblocked, right? And that's on mm. the most fundamental level, you need to make sure that the team is executing on the vision that you are, that you have built and that you've socialized. But, you know, even more than that, the team needs to believe in this vision. If they don't believe in the vision, then either you're not being adequately convincing or they have other, you know, you need to understand the headwinds. Like maybe are they skeptical? Do they just, are they just, you know, they've been there long enough and they, they, they don't believe that, that you are really a true believer or that true belief is actually valuable or, you know, they're, uh, they've one foot out the door when you arrived, right? There's any number of things. So, I mean, I think, you know, at root, you're there to solve important customer problems and help the business be more successful and convince the engineers that they too are there to do that. And that means, when I say, here's what I want us to build, now you tell me how, that I really mean that. I want them to own, they're owning the how. That also means I trust them though. So it, it is something that also snowballs, right? I mean, because I need to be able to, you know, it's critical that my engineering lead and I, that we have trust between each other so that they know that I have their back, I know they have my back, and that the decisions they make are going to be, uh, you know, supporting the same strategic goals that I think are most important that we've aligned on being the most important and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's, it really is like a weaving through and through that, like, you know, customer focus and trust and collaboration. One of the key things or key problems that uh, PMs that we've, we've uh, spoken with over like years that they've highlighted has been around um, taking ownership, right. And, mm -hmm. and being proactive. How do you think about taking ownership and solving problems proactively, even if even if no one asks you to? I mean, I think I think that is I think to that point, being a product manager is something that you should be doing regardless of what the organization thinks it is you do. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how I got into product, frankly. Um, and by that, I mean, you were there to solve customer problems people and, and you're solving customer problems because you believe that's the best way to help the business be successful. That's the help, best way to help the product be successful and be sustainable and, uh, and help everything grow. So there is a certain quality, I think that you are not, you, you can't wait to ask permission to take these certain actions that don't ask, don't wait for someone to say, develop a strategic plan or develop a strategic perspective. Instead, start off by saying, what are, where are the customer loops? Uh, where's their opportunity to inject leverage? Like there's so many frameworks people talk about within the product management world, try to apply them 
and see what works, see what leads to what. I mean, you need to take time to do deep thinking and think about the customer journey as it is and what could be better. Or are there other segments of customers that you could be capturing that would be meaningful to the business? Um, and having perspectives on all these things, it really is your job and in ways that, again, people aren't gonna actually invite you to do. Um, it really is just, it's something that it's, it's just going to level up your skills and it's going to level you up in your organization. And in my opinion, it is being a product, it is carrying being a product manager with you at all times. That is, mm. is what you're exhibiting with that. What excites you most about product management right now? And how do you stay energized? Like the, the problem solving aspect of it really is very energizing because everyone gets excited when you do something there's an experimental quality to it too but when you you say wow there's this customer problem i see or this customer opportunity or what have you if we create this experience or release this feature we think it's going to have this impact and when you see the impact be so much bigger than you expected and you maybe you released a really thin version of a feature or whatever um, and just being blown away by wow that that works so much better than i expected it really is very exciting and it's you know but what's what's cool about it is you do have a sense that you're doing something meaningful. I mean, and I think that's something that <clears throat> that we all really want in our work, right? We all want to feel like what we're doing is meaningful, it's impactful, it matters to people. And I think that's one of the great things about product management is you are specifically trying to positively impact the lives of the users and customers of your product. David, this is my last question here. I ask everyone who comes on the show this question, and that is, what's one weakness that you've turned into your strength? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I actually think what I referred to earlier, the kind of like naivete that I use to approach new problems. I often look at the world and think, this is if that's something that another person has done, I probably could learn to do that too. There's genius, there's rare people, of course, that's not that they, they'll excel in ways that maybe you could never achieve. But just the idea that, you know, of this willingness to kind of stumble into domains and into different types of activities. Uh, I think at first, it was probably, again, it was pro probably appeared naive and it was based on a naivete. But I think at this point, it's become... Um, kind of an engine of collaboration for me where I say, let's learn about this. Let's try this. I bet, you know, there's something here that we can do that we can impact. Um, and I, I mean, I apply that in my work and I mean, in my, my life outside of work, I'm a, a songwriter and a composer as well. And I kind of got into that, a lot of that because it's just like, you know what, I bet I can, if it's playing in band, I bet I can learn to write classical music if I tried. And it took a while and, and, you know, just sort of that, like, is a willingness to try hard things and to jump into complicated domains, I think is something that I've turned into a strength and that I've kind of come to be known by. I love that. David, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Where can our listeners find you if, if they'd love to connect? Yeah, uh, I think LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Um, I'm David Mark Siegel there. It's, uh, I've been doing a lot of writing there in the last few months and have been enjoying just kind of honing my own thinking there. It's been very interesting. So I'd be, I'd be happy to connect and continue a conversation there. Thanks for listening to the Same Logic Podcast. To stay in touch, please follow us on LinkedIn or the podcast app you're listening to this on right now for more episodes. I'm Dwayne Samuels. Take care. Thank you.